Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots, one in Hebrews chapter 12 and the other in Lamentations chapter 3. That's the book after Jeremiah in the Old Testament. We are in part five of a series called High Seas, No Way Around, but, but Through, and we're talking about the reality of adversity and how the unexpected storms of life can catch us off guard. They can dash our expectations, and they have the potential to sink your confidence in God. And here's the issue. When your confidence in God is low, your vulnerability to the world, the flesh, and the devil is high. And so it's important that we talk about this because life is a battle, right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at God's mind on the pressures of life. Um, when it comes to pressure, now that we're talking about this, you know, we know and understand how pressure has a purpose in in different dimensions of life, right? If you're an athlete, if any of you guys are, are jocks or old jocks, you understand that your coach needed to put you in pressure so that the reality of the game uh, wouldn't feel so different and you would perform. If you are a business person, if you've ever trained anybody in business or sales, you know, you put people into situations, presentations, sales calls, sales situations, you know, in their training, right? Because they need to experience the pressure and perform in the pressure to grow, right? There's a purpose behind that pressure. If you're a parent at all, or if you've been parented, right? We know that if we rescue kids from all pressures and become lawnmower parents and they never experience any adversity, they're going to hate us later because they're just like, why didn't you let me experience that? Now I'm in it and I can't imagine it. So we have to put them under a little bit of emotional pressure. Now, why share those things about adversity and pressure? Because the same is true in growing in your relationship with God. It requires him to put us into situations or allow situations that are painful, that are uncomfortable, that are unexpected, that might tempt us, to put us in the pressure, right, to call out our faith, call out our trust, call out our dependence on, on him, right, and to achieve his goal for his process for us, which is what? To become like Christ, right? Now, God's word is full of examples of men who are in the pressure cookers of life, delays, difficulties, trials, tribulations, and they got to navigate these storms, right? And there's no way around. There's no relief. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no easy fix to the situation. They have to go through it and get to the other side of it in their faith. And so for part five, we're going to look at God's man, Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah is the man of God, the prophet of God. He has served really good kings, and he's served really bad kings. He's been through the best of times. He's been through the worst of times, right? Uh, including the Babylonian captivity where the Babylonians laid siege on the city of Jerusalem. And here's the thing, is that not only did he have foresight and predict that that was going to happen for 40 years, calling Israel to repentance, but get this, they never listened. And so as a result, 
He had to experience the horrors of war, starvation, siege, captivity. And the book of Lamentations is this highly poetic and devastatingly beautiful series of laments. That's why it's called Lamentations. What what are laments? Well, they're they're passionate expressions of grief and sorrow. Imagine for 40 years, your main purpose is to say, watch out. If, if you don't repent and if you don't turn back to God, this judgment is, is going to happen. And imagine doing that for, for 40 years, right? Relentless opposition to his message. So just his message. So imagine being in your job and your main purpose, you get opposed in your main purpose for success in the job for 40 years. So if you've ever said, man, I can't catch a break, well, you ain't got nothing on Jeremiah, right? And yet, the man of God in the middle of all that relentless pressure will not let go of his faith. He won't let go of his belief. He he stubbornly holds on to the idea that somehow, some way, God, because he knows God, he knows he's good, he knows he sees, he knows he's a creator, he knows he's able, God is going to redeem this for good, and he surrenders once again in the middle of a relentless adversity to God. But listen, and this is cool, man, he has it out with his maker. And so Jeremiah models for us exactly how to have it out with your maker under relentless pressure when you feel like you've bent as far as you possibly can and you're about to break. So here's where we're headed in part five, all right? We're gonna get God's mind on kind of the pressure and opposition that he allows for his purpose, all right? Then we're going to make some observations. And then we'll see God's man, Jeremiah, model for us how to navigate and negotiate kind of a relentless season of life, which I know many of you feel like you're in, all right? So let's first look at Hebrews chapter 12, our first main text, right? And just watch how God looks at what's happening to us here on earth and how he's aware of how life can be hard, opposition can be hard, it can drain us. But then listen for how God points us and coaches us in the midst of it, all right? Hebrews chapter 12, verses two through seven. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. In this all-out match against sin, others have suffered far worse than you. To say nothing of what Jesus went through, all that bloodshed. So don't feel sorry for yourselves 
Or have you forgotten how good parents treat children and that God regards you as children? My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment. It's training the normal experience of God's children. Now, God's word right there just gave us a very valuable thing for navigating the reality of adversity. You want to know what that is? Perspective. Many times when you're in adversity, all you have to have is the right perspective. You got to have the big picture. If you're, you're in the trees, you got to see the trees from the forest, right? And so here's us in the jungles of life, and here's God. Who has perspective, the person in the jungles or God? And so here in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, it gives us kind of God's perspective looking down on us to encourage us. And man, isn't the big picture comforting? It's kind of like, okay, now I can make it through the process that I understand some of these purposes in the process where down here in the jungle of life, all right, you're not seeing all that, but God sees it and he's giving you some insight and perspective that offers you a powerful thing, hope. All right, so let's unpack what we just read. And what we saw in, in, in that passage is some, some contrasts, all right? And sometimes getting through something is, is about the following observations, all right? Getting through something is seeing the difference between, write this down, the beginning versus finishing. Right? There's the beginning of a race versus finishing a race. Now, there's that old adage, right? It's not how you start. You said it probably mumbled under your breath somewhere, wherever you are. It's how you finish, right? Finishing well is the goal. It's not how we start. But, you know, having done men's ministry for over 30 years, the men are notorious as really excited, passionate starters, horrible finishers. Why? Because they have to endure, right? They have to go through the same process that they understand is positive in other dimensions of their life that involve pressure and testing and training, right? Uh, but we don't like it. And, and somehow in our relationship with God, we feel like that shouldn't be a part of it. All right. But the Bible is saying, hey, you know what? It's not how you start. It's how you finish. All right. Number two, it's seeing the difference between where I am now versus where I'm headed, right? And that's what the scripture says. Jesus began and finished the race we're in, study how he did it, he never lost sight of where he was headed, okay? Because when you're here, if you're just thinking about what's going on here and you're not, you don't have a hope of where you're headed, all right? There's nothing pulling you forward. Right? And that's what's great about being a man of God, right? You, your, your sins are forgiven. You have a home in heaven. You have a purpose for living. That home in heaven thing, forever with Jesus, right? And we have a little bit of time here. Man, that pulls us through. So you have to see the difference. Here's the perspective between beginning and finishing, all right? And where I am now and where I'm headed. Number three, we have to see the difference between his process and my process, all right? The encouragement from scripture is to go over Jesus's process. Study Jesus's process. 
See how he was focused on his finish? See how he was focused on where he was, where he was headed? And oh, by the way, see what he endured. And that he trusted God all through it. Now that is what's going to give you some energy to, to go through what you're going through. When we see someone go through the worst of the worst, it gives us perspective that maybe what we're going through, maybe the delays we're experiencing or the difficulties we're experiencing, we can kind of put them up against each other and we can go, all right, I got, I got my mojo. His process is not my process. Number four, we have to see the difference between feeling alone and being alone. I love how the passage just lets us know that others are suffering the same way we are. In fact, I was in a men's group just the other day, and and uh, one of the guys in the group just relayed a, a horrible set of circumstances. And I knew, personally, behind every other face, they had their own set of challenges that are right alongside their blessings, right? And we have to have that perspective that life isn't, it's not so much peaks and valleys, it's more like train tracks, right? Right alongside your blessings, are challenges. So when you see a dude, just know if it's bad, it's not all bad. If it's good, it can't be all good. Why? Train tracks, right? And that's what Jesus said, right? In this world, you'll have tribulation, but take courage. I've overcome the world. Yeah, we're blessed. We have joys. We have people. We have relationships. We have provision, support, but we also have earth, flesh, devil, injustice, broken people, fragmented relationships. And guess what? They're riding right alongside each other. And so maybe for some of us, we have to adjust that expectation. But listen, I don't care what you're going through. Other people are going through what you're going through. You might feel alone in your circumstance, but you're not alone. And can I just coach you up if that's how you feel? Don't compare your insides with other people's outsides for the very fact that I just mentioned, that how you feel on the inside, and then you look at other people, and maybe you pull up to a stoplight, or you see some one of your buddies just like, man, he's got it all together. No, he doesn't. There's nothing going wrong in his life. Everything's going wrong in my life. No, it's not, because life is good and bad. People are good and bad. Marriages are good and bad. Jobs are good and bad, all right? Families are good and bad right? Health is good and bad. There's always something going on behind a people's person's exterior, all right? So don't get into when you feel alone in your problem and woe is me and you play the victim that nobody else understands me. No, we, we all understand you. Why? Because all of us are going through something. Lastly, you got to see the difference between troubles versus training. All right, I love what the Bible says. It says, this trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training, the normal experience of children, right? So that brings in that initial point I was making about how we gotta train our kids. We don't rescue our kids from, from, from every conflict or from every trouble, or we don't let them get out of stuff or just bail out on things. Not good dads. Good fathers say, well, you made a commitment. You're gonna to have to ride this one out, Sonny, right? We let him stay in it, we let him stay in this company. Why? Because 
Um, pressure doesn't leave you the way it finds you. All right, you'll become bitter, you'll become better. And that's why to grow up kids, to get them mature, we have to not rescue them all the time from the consequences of their own choices and commitments. And we have to let them experience and endure the situation. Same is true to grow spiritually and accomplish God's purposes. God allows us to be in situations. He's training us. And that's where we get into the spiritual battle part, right? Oh, it's just trouble. It's just trouble. It's just trouble. It's just trouble. No, God is training. God is perfecting. You know, God is developing. It's not a stumbling block. It's a stepping stone to Christ-likeness. He has a vision for your life, and he allows certain things into your life to accomplish that vision, which is to make you like Christ, Romans 8, 29. So there's a little foundation, another foundational thing. We're just trying to get comfortable with the uncomfortable, so to speak, of life, all right? Even though we try to protect ourselves from pain and try to protect ourselves from, from bad things happening, you know? But then inevitably, life will bowling ball all of that. Don't be disillusioned. Don't be confused. God never said, that you were gonna walk down the yellow brick road and he was gonna mow all the obstacles down in front of you so that you could walk unhindered. He's a good father. He wants to grow us up. He wants to mature us in our faith. And that requires a certain amount of pressure and challenge to call out our faith and trust. All right, let's look at Jeremiah, all right? Because we see a man, uh, a man's process with God uh, in the Bible for a reason. Jeremiah's story is in the Bible for us to see uh, he's a man, he loves the Lord, he serves the Lord, but he's going through hell. He is totally in the fire. And what I love about Jeremiah is that he, he puts together being human, being honest with God, but being undaunted in his faith. And that's what I really want us to see and apply for ourselves, because that's why it's in God's word. So let's listen to this um, this experience, this this set of experiences between Jeremiah and God, and the dialogue here to start off in Lamentations chapter three. This is the the setup for the rest of the study, verses thirteen to twenty one. He, God, shot me in the stomach with arrows from his quiver. Everyone took me for a joke, made me the butt of their mocking ballads. He forced rotten, sneaking food down my throat, bloated me with vile drinks. He ground my face into the gravel. He pounded me into the mud. I gave up on life altogether. I've forgotten what the good life is life. I said to myself, this is it. I'm finished. God is a lost cause. I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting bottom. Okay. Wow. I mean, have you ever been in a room with other people in it where someone has just, just let it out, right? Just let out the fire? of their bitterness and, and disappointment. I mean, just even reading that, I, I'm like, wow, Jeremiah, okay? Uh, but it's, it's his unvarnished 
reality of Jeremiah's adversity. And, you know, God's not in, in deception and fantasy and faking it. Where's God? God's truth, which means God's in reality. So when we're not able to speak truth and reality of our situation, and maybe we're holding back because we feel like you can't handle it or we can't, you know, talk about our own reality. That means we're suppressing truth inside. We're not letting it out, which he created us to do, and he put us in relationship with him to do. Man, you see Jeremiah just let it all hang out, right? And then there's this transition, and that's where we're going to go. So out it comes. He's having it out with God. And now we're just going to look at how he stubbornly hangs on to his face in the presence of a relentless, unchanging circumstance. And the first thing that he does is he remembers God's capacity. All right? Lamentations 3, 21 to 23. So here now, after he says, oh, how I remember it all, the feeling of hitting bottom, listen to what he says. But here's the one thing. Might want to circle that. Here's the one thing I remember, and remembering I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness? Whoa, right? What's he doing? Okay, he's, he's being honest with God and then there's that transition, and I would say this is one of the big buts of the Bible that we really need to study, right? So he's super honest with God, but then he's remembering God's capacity, which is also true. And he's reflecting on it, and what does he remember? He remembers God's capacity. He lets God be God. He's like, okay, you're God. You're unlimited. You're loving. You're my creator, right? So even though I'm in this horrible situation, all right, your love can't run out because you're God and you're infinite and I know that you created me and that you love what you create and that you're merciful and your love and mercy aren't going away because my circumstances have changed. And that's what the devil says. The devil's just like, well, look at your circumstances. So God must not be God, not true. Right? Just because Jesus was crucified didn't mean that God stopped loving us or God stopped loving his son or that God's purpose wasn't being worked out. His capacity to love and be merciful and to create newness and to be faithful in the midst of adversity is unchanged by yours and my circumstances. So Jeremiah begins to reflect on truth that begins to push back his feelings into the facts about God. He remembers God's capacity versus what? Accepting God's scarcity. He rejects that, right? And a lot of times that's what we do. We forget, man, we have that scarcity mentality. Well, God can't do that. God can't do this. God's not with me. God, God can't. no. There's a purpose behind your process. God's capacity is unchanged. His abilities are not in short supply, okay? So God 
has a lot of capacity. That's what Jeremiah remembers. That's how he begins to fight stubbornly back into his faith and keeping a grip on hope. Secondly, he shows us that I renew my commitment. All right, so it's the next verse there where Jeremiah is is talking about God's faithfulness. How great is your faithfulness? Verse 24, I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. What does he do? He renews his commitment, right? He remembers God's capacity, and then he renews his commitment as he remembers who God is and that God is unchanged by our circumstances and that he's still God, he's still loving, he's still merciful, he's still faithful. All of a sudden, he's like, oh, you know what? I'm sticking with him. Some of us right now need to do the very same thing where we just need to say it. Look at what he says. I say it over and over. I'm sticking with you, God. You're, you're all I've got in this. And you don't know that God is all you need until God is all you got. Might have heard that before. It's true. You know, when you're at the end of self and you've run out of resources, you remember God's capacity. He's got resources. And he loves me. And he's merciful. And he's faithful. Hmm. Maybe I should recommit myself to God. I know that um, there are some of you right now, that's exactly what you need to do. You just need to say, God, mm, I'm back. I'm, I'm going to stick with you. Help me with this process. All right? I don't feel great about my life right now, but you know what? You have resources, and you can deliver those resources to me because you're unlimited. So I'm sticking with you, and... I'm going to say it over and over today. I'm sticking with God. So he remembers God's capacity. He renews his commitment. Third, he rests in his strongest hope. Write that down. I rest in my strongest hope. So there is this building of remembering, renewing, and now he's starting to feel and experience that rest. Look at what he says in Lamentations chapter 3, next verse, verses 25 and 26. God proves to be good to the man who passionately waits, to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope, to quietly hope for help from God. Now, I want to make sure that that we understand what what passionate waiting is. It's kind of like, wait, that seems counterintuitive. When you wait, you know, you might have the image of um, just somebody going, okay, send the deliverance, Lord, in the middle of all this circumstance, right? But in the Bible, when it, and it says, when it says wait upon the Lord, and it's a good thing to quietly hope, it's not um, a passive, physically passive, spiritually passive thing. It's actually an active thing. That's why the Bible says passionately wait for God. What does that involve? Well, it means you're going to continue. Passionately waiting on God means you're going to continue to obey the Lord's word and do what the Holy Spirit says. You're going to continue to trust. You're going to continue to live out your faith in the midst of your relentless adversity, not in the absence of it, okay? That is waiting on the Lord, right? You might have heard the passage from Isaiah that that, that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Well, these prophets, these men of God, Isaiah, Jeremiah, they got it, right? They're like, okay, 
I'm in the fire, waves are pounding, no way but through, gonna remember God's capacity, gonna renew my commitment. And as I do that, I'm going to rest in my strongest hope. I'm gonna quietly, passionately, faithfully, spiritually hope in the Lord. What does that look like? I'm just gonna continue to believe and trust God. I'm gonna continue to obey God. That's a word from the Lord that some of you really needed to hear this morning. You're gonna continue today, all right? God's saying, my son, you're gonna continue to obey me today. You're gonna quietly hope. You're gonna continue to pray. You're gonna continue to trust. You're gonna be uh, God's man, whether the circumstance changes today or tomorrow, or it never changes. You're gonna hope in me because I'm gonna redeem it. I can redeem it now. I can redeem it in a few weeks. I can redeem it in a year. I can redeem it when your heart stops and you come to me, but I will redeem it. You continue to obey, all right? Fourth, right? I reject, no, fourth, I remember, I remain teachable and humble. Sorry, I got a little confused there. So I remember God's capacity, renew my commitment. I rest in my strongest hope. I remain teachable and humble. That's on the screen, all right? So that's the next verse, verse 27 to 30. Listen to this. The, the conversation goes on. It's a good thing when you're young to stick it out through hard times, when life is heavy and hard to take. Go off by yourself. Enter the silence. Bow in prayer. Don't ask questions. Wait for hope to appear. Don't run from trouble. Take it full face. The worst is never the worst. You see Jeremiah kind of getting a little bit more perspective and getting his legs spiritually right here. He's, he's realizing, you know what? This is training, this isn't trouble, right? Pressure, this pressure I'm experiencing, it really has a purpose and I'm gonna seek it, all right? So if there's, there's purpose in my pressure, and there's purpose in this relentless problem, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run toward it. I'm not gonna run away from it. I'm gonna run toward the purpose in this. I'm gonna seek the purpose in this. I'm gonna enter the silence, right? I'm gonna go into the void and start praying. I'm gonna bow humbly. I'm gonna be quiet for a little bit. I'm gonna bow, humble myself before the Lord in prayer. I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna ask God what he wants to teach me. I'm not gonna run from this trouble. I'm gonna face it because, because pregnant within this adversity is God's purpose. That's the gold, right? Great things come out of pressure, right? Turn up the heat, purify the gold. Pearls have to be under the pressure, the water pressure down at the bottom inside that clamshell in order for it to come out. Diamonds have to be in pressure, and what do they come out as? Precious jewels. The most precious things. Uh, the most precious jewelry, the most precious metals, right? They're all forged under pressure, right? Precious things come out of pressure. And so he's remaining teachable and humble versus rigid, cynical, prideful in this because he knows there's treasure in there, it's like a good thing to stick it out, right? And don't run, don't go off by yourself, right? Which is what the devil wants you to do, You're just like get out of here, right? Leave, divorce, run from the problem, abandon, right? 
Don't face respond. Don't take responsibility. That is not going to grow any of us up, men. We take responsibility. And we take responsibility because God is with us. We don't run from pressure. We go to it. There's no problem that you face that God's not bigger than. And it's never, listen to me, it's never God's will for you to run from a problem. Why? Because there's a process and a purpose behind that problem. And you might not know what it is, and it might be hard to find, but it's in there. And you're going to seek God, but don't run. And I love that last line. The worst is never the worst. It just feels like it's the worst. Can I just say something to a lot of you out there? Your feelings about what's going on in your life are not the facts. All right? Now, how can I say that with such confidence? Because I get down in dumps, and I feel like my feelings are the facts. And then God's just like, no, they're not. Yes, they are, God. Look around. No, they're not, because I'm at work. Right? Nothing that you're going through is fatal or final when there's God. Right? Because God can work all things together for the good of those who love him and for those who are called according to his purpose. So you can declare right now, hey, I'm called according to God's purpose. I'm God's man. God is working all this together for my good. Can't see it, can't feel it right now, but I declare it in Jesus' name. Some of you need to do that, right? God's at work, all right? Number five, I reject the enemy's lies. So there is this remembering, renewing of commitment, resting in hope, remaining teachable and humble. He's getting his legs. Now he's just like, all right, now I'm going on the offensive. The next set of verses, all right, which follows, the worst is never the worst. Then in verse 31, why? Because the master won't ever walk out and fail to return. If he works severely, he also works tenderly. His stockpiles of loyal love are immense. He takes no pleasure in making life hard and throwing roadblocks in the way, right? And so you can see that there, there's a reason why this is a battle, all right? Because when you're under a lot of pressure over a lot of time, man, you can, you can get really doubtful about God. And the lie is, is that he's walked out on you. Jeremiah says, the master will never walk out on you. You can, you can believe the lie, just like, man, God's punishing me, right? No, God's working tenderly. He's not all about, he's not, he's not, doesn't take pleasure, you know, in making life hard. That's another lie. Boy, God, you really, God really is, he's a tough one, you know, on me. He, he enjoys throwing roadblocks in my way, right? No, Jeremiah says, his stockpiles of loyal love are immense, right? A loving thing sometimes as a parent is allowing a hard thing for your kid. Come on, dads, say amen, right? Well, guess what? You're God's son. And that passage in Hebrews that we read, it's like, he's a good father. He allows that stuff for people that he loves. Why? Because he has a purpose to grow us up, to mature us, to make us more like Christ. And a lot of times when we read the Bible where it says, if we suffer uh, with him, we'll also be glorified together with him. You know, we, we, we want all the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace and, and, and the guidance and the counsel and heaven and all of those things that are in Christ. But you know what? True men of God realizes that suffering too makes us like Christ in ways that comfort does not. And suffering is actually, was a part of Jesus's process. It's a part of our process. This is Jesus. Jesus is in you, right? 
This is me. I'm in the same process as Jesus. I'm being perfected as God's man by my sufferings. Same as Jesus, all right? Sixth, I reflect on how I'm living. So it's that domino keeps falling. I'm remembering, I'm renewing, I'm resting, I'm remaining teachable. I reject the enemy's lies. And then it's just like, now I'm at this place where I'm free of all this self-absorption, right? And I'm actually entering the spiritual process. Now I got to look in the mirror and say, you know what, Lord? What do you want me to know about me? Listen to what Jeremiah says after he says, God takes no pleasure in making life hard, throwing roadblocks in the way. Verse Verse 40, he says, let's take a good look at the way we're living and reorder our lives under God. Let's lift our hearts and hands at one and the same time, praying to God in heaven. We've been contrary and willful, and you haven't forgiven. You know, that's where Jeremiah, this is his process. It's unique to him, but there's also an overriding principle that's there for us, which is kind of taking an inventory. When you're put under a lot of pressure, uh, some things about you bubble to the surface because pressure always reveals substance, okay? When we're put under pressure, our character comes out. Our attitudes come out, right? Because we're getting squeezed, right? And when you squeeze something, stuff comes out. So Jeremiah in this situation is like, let's, hey, everybody, believers in God, followers of God, men of God. Let's take a good look at the way we're living and reorder our lives. Some of you under intense pressure, God has revealed some things about you or to you where it's just like, you know what? That's gotta go. That didn't work for you. Look at this part of your character that's come out in the midst of this pressure. That's gotta go. This isn't helpful. You need to cut your losses on that. Let's reorder our lives, Look at, but not not in just any way, reorder our lives under God. What does that involve? Lifting your hearts and hands at the same time, praying to the God of heaven and owning, owning your part, right? Owning sin, owning what's really happening. In this instance, Jeremiah says, we've been contrary and willful, all right? Means I'm the captain of my own ship. We've taken over your place. You know, that's a good word for all of us because we all do it, right? We all play God. We all try to be the masters of our own universe. And, you know, we take control of situations. We run ahead of God, you know, and, and so that's what I love about the Bible. Here's a man of God just going, all right, this is why we're in the situation we're in, Okay. All right, lastly, and this we're going to skip a few verses down. Listen to this, where Jeremiah then receives God's presence and promise in the midst. All right, so just kind of following along, we've remembered God's capacity, renewed our commitment, rested in our hope, remained teachable, rejected the enemy's lies, reflecting on how we're living. Then, what's the last step? I received God's presence and promise. Wow, listen to what he says in verse 57. We're going to skip a few verses down. And he says, you, get this, you came close when I called out. You said, it's going to be all right. You took my side, master, and you brought me back alive. Man, you came close. You said, 
Man, you came close, you said. You came close, you said. Jeremiah, the man of God, has fought, and after fighting through that process, hanging on to his face, being stubborn in his belief that God is God, remembering his capacity, all the things we talked about, man, guess what he gets as a result? He receives God's presence and promise. You're going to be okay. And maybe that is a prophetic word. I think for several men who have had a loss this week, um, financial loss, uh, I just really sense God is speaking into relational loss right now. And I really sense that God is just speaking to a loss of identity and purpose. And um, all of those financial loss, relational loss, loss of identity, you kind of lost yourself. And God wants you to know right now, man of God, you're going to be okay. God's coming close to you right now. He's with you right now. And he's bigger than whatever your loss was, whatever the division is, whatever the fear is, he's bigger. He's like, you're going to be okay. And he's going to bring you out alive, right? You continue to place your faith and hope in God. Remember that he loves you. Renew your commitment. You're going to passionately wait on God. You're going to keep obeying, keep trusting, right? You might need to recommit yourself to Christ. I think that's what the Holy Spirit is saying too for some of us, okay? So what a process. Wow. Remember how we set this up? Jeremiah is just like, man, I'm having it out with you, right? You're allowing all this. But, but there's that key word, big but of the Bible. <laughs> but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope right? Because of the Lord's love, I'm not consumed. That's what Jeremiah, that's where he starts, and then all of a sudden these dominoes start to fall. So, you know, this might be something you want to go over again this week, or maybe for some of you, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants you to go over this study with a friend. So, hey, that's why we do this live stream, by the way, you know, welcome to you know, the, the 12, 13,000 guys that join us live. But you know, by the end of the month, there's 100, 150,000 guys who go through it again or share this or, and you can download the notes and you can walk through it. So I think the Holy Spirit wants us, if we know someone who is really suffering, to just take them through this. Now let's, let's conclude by kind of grabbing some themes out of what Jeremiah models. And I kind of have a headline in there. It's, Honest and undaunted faith in Jesus wins the battle, right? Jeremiah fought, he battled on earth to hold on to his faith in the midst of the adversities of earth. He wins God's presence, he wins God's promise, but it wasn't by being fake or religious, but by acknowledging the reality of his adversity and continuing to work and grow in, in God's spiritual process with his Father, okay? God's got us all in a process. You know, we're all work in process, amen? And I love uh, the promise here of the Bible because we're battling an evil world, right? It's an unredeemed, unjust, evil world, right? 
culture, that godless system of values that the devil is orchestrating, and he wants to partner with your flesh to get you sucked into the spirit of the world, your impulses, calling, calling, getting invitations by the spirit of the world, right, and into his lies to get you sucked in, all right? And we're giving that the Heisman this morning and saying, yeah, Jesus said it would be hard, devil. But my God is bigger than that, and my God has a purpose for what I'm going through. And we start to declare God's sovereignty, God's ability, God's capacity, God's love. And we stick this right in his mouth. 1 John 5, 4 through 5. I want us to read this together. If you're watching or listening and you have the notes, it's going to come up on the screen. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen, man of God? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Because at the cross, Jesus defeated the world and your flesh and the devil, right? And that's what we declare. We declare Jesus is the Son of God. Let's do that right now in prayer. Jesus, we declare you the Son of God. We declare you the Lord of all creation and the creator of the universe. We declare you our Savior. And we thank you that your death and resurrection on the cross defeated sin, selfishness, Satan, the world, and the flesh. And Lord, right now, we ask you to fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we can live out what you have worked in, the resurrection power of Jesus. Help us to live out of that resurrection power, Holy Spirit, today. I pray for every man who's experiencing adversity right now, that he could have honest conversations with you, that he could have honest conversations with his brothers, and that he could enter that process of renewing his commitment. And so right now, I just, I declare renewal of commitment. I declare rest and hope. I declare humility, teachability, Lord. Lord, I just bind all lies of the enemy and loose the Holy Spirit and the truth of the word of God, Lord. I pray for reflection and I pray for the receiving right now of your presence and power and your promise. Lord, that you will come close and that it will all be all right in your way, in your time. We believe that right now and we trust for that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, guys, go live it out this week and we'll see you next time.